Greetings Scrapple fans and welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something's Match of the Week. The podcast in which myself, you Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorca Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host Simon Cross take it in turns to discuss a match that Dave Meltzer hasn't rated five stars or higher so there's not that many of them. But the <laughs> ones that are available, we do so. And it's my pick for this week. The plan was to have this as like the comparison to the recent upcoming WrestleMania 39 match between the Usos and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But many five-star ratings later, wherever we are in the future from where we're recording this in the past is where we are at. Decent chance by now that the Owens and Zayn have already dropped those titles. And are now feuding. <laughs> and maybe feuding with each other or on separate brands. It's all very possible. <laughs> But we wanted to do a comparison. And for a lot of people, one of the first big matches that we ever saw these guys making an impact on the indie scene happened almost 18 years before the WrestleMania main event. And the logos that they had on their tights and shorts were a reference to the two guys that they were up against in this match. Simon, where are we? And who are the other participants in this bout? We are in a CZW ring, um, but weirdly enough, not covered in nails and broken glass. That was for the next match. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. This is like the amuse-bouche before uh, (laughs) everyone starts bleeding everywhere. And we're talking about a match between Kevin Steen and El Generico. Unfortunately, we couldn't find any Sami Zayn footage, so we just had to go with this other guy. This this random dude. The long-retired... Tijuana Adoption House Supervisor. Versus two of the founders of uh, PWG, Super Dragon and Excalibur, is now plying a trade as AEW's linchpin announcer. So we've said in the past that sometimes the indie scenes somewhat develop a territory system of their own insofar as these guys travel far and wide, but they might have a home-based promotion for which they're known for. Where they themselves live, so maybe they'll sometimes, even in the case of Super Dragon and Excalibur, run a promotion. So Super Dragon and Excalibur have made their names in the South California scene. And from there, they had, along with four other wrestlers, created a year or so earlier, PWG. Whereas Kevin Steen and El Generico had been trained by Jacques Rougeau and were based for the first few years around the Montreal-Quebec scene. Specifically, as Steven Steen says in the promo before this match, IWS. That was their home base, just as PWG was the home base. So this is almost like an interpromotional dream match. Because when you reach a certain status within your region, then you can sort of become the super indie guys that then get brought into the high-profile indie promotions, like your CZWs, especially your Ring of Honours, and as time went on, your PWGs. And that's where we find ourselves. Curiously, I was looking it up about all of these guys and their records outside of it. And Kevin Steen and Al Generico had actually debuted in PWG the week before this show. Oh. In a singles match. Because that was one of the points I wanted to make in the Kevin Owens-Sami Zayn feud with the Usos. The moment that they shared a hug was one of the few times on screen where their friendship kind of resembled what it was off screen. That they were allowed to show an affection for each other. <laughs> Because, as I said, from the start, the gimmick was that Kevin Steen couldn't really stand El Generico. But El Generico is such a nice guy 
that he likes it. And it's even reflected in this promo that Kevin Steen cuts very briefly before the match starts, where he says, you and I are not friends, but we will team up to rep IWS against these two, especially that bitch Super Dragon, the dragon. over there. <laughs> and so he's saying we're not friends, but then after that, when they're prepping for the match, Generico does sneak in a little hug on, on Steen that is not reciprocated. And you think about that, that was basically the dynamic of that tag team during that time. Then when they did their PWG run, pretty quickly they went singles down their own path. Yeah. Because Steam was a heel and Generico was a face. And Steam then went into a feud with Super Dragon, which was really the main main feud of PWG for the first couple of years of its existence. Meanwhile, Generico was sort of doing lots of fun stuff on the... He had like a match with Pac that got a big... was one of the first big matches for Pac. In, in PWG, tag team with the Human Tornado, doing lots of fun stuff. His tag team with the Tornado, the Human Tornado, was called Two Skinny Black Guys. Ah! <laughs> and, uh. and their big stuff as a tag team really started around 2006, 2007, because that was what got them over in Ring of Honor, where they were kept as more of a tag team act. Yeah. And that again, the dynamic was that he Steam was a heel, but Generico was basically a face that hung out with a heel. And then when they after they finished the Briscoes feud, which really made them established in Ring of Honor, then they started doing more tag team stuff in PWG for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And and Steam's turn face by basically saying, No one gets to beat up my friend except me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Steen's version of a face turn. And then famously, when we thought he was going to retire due to knee injuries after a match with the Young Bucks, instead he kicks Generico in the balls and triggers a true heel and a few between the two that then was carried over into other promotions. So they didn't team up in PWG either for the longest yeah. time. It was That was the ultimate clash of like them having the hottest feud in Ring of Honor with a promoter in Jim Cornette that did not like them. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the ultimate clash going on there as well. But what's so funny with watching this match is seeing the starting of that and how, as I said, I'm so shocked that these two guys tag-teamed in a WrestleMania main event. <laughs> Given what you see them in this match. They keep on saying, it's weird in commentary, they keep saying how big Steen was. He looks weird in this match. Yeah, well, he looks very young. You can see, like, you look at that photo of his son, actually, you can see a lot of that. With the clean-shaven, crew-cut... Well, to be fair, he's always had the crew-cut hair. He he looks like, in this match, even though he looks like very much in shape, because of, like, how much of, uh, to quote Scott Steiner, a genetic freak his son seems to be in terms of height, that his son now would batter Steen then. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they're saying how big he is, and you can see he's got that stocky frame. Yeah. But he's not carrying that much weight. But I think already he'd started putting the shirt on to help mask maybe a bit of a stomach that he was starting to become self-conscious about. But as the years went on, that stomach did get bigger and bigger until he did his WWE run where he sort of went close to where he is now. But he's never Hmm. never been as thin as he is at this point in in his career ever again. Because that's what being young and metabolism does to you, I suppose. (sighs) <sighs> oh god to rewind the clock eh? <laughs> <laughs> whereas generica and as i said like you look at that guy that skinny dweeb <clears throat> wearing deliberately quite naff tights and a mask yeah and his whole gimmick basically is that he's a mexican luchador who very clearly everyone knows comes from canada and can tell can barely speak any spanish <laughs> <laughs> 
it's weird as well because his tights are like baggy, but they're not. <laughs> I don't know if that's done on purpose as well. But also that he's doing so much indie-rific stuff. I mean, some of the moves he busts out in this match. Most of all, the Brain Buster. Yeah. Which was, like, one of the ultimate, like, everyone was excited for that move. Because I remember there was, like, a gif of him doing that to Jack Evans at a Jersey All-Pro show. He hits it so perfectly, and Jack Evans is exactly the right guy to take that move. Yeah. And it just looks like a killer. And I did wonder, like, if he's ever going to bust out that move in a WWE match, maybe it'll be the WrestleMania main events. Mm. I don't think he's done it. Maybe I've been... He's done it on the apron. Yeah. And he did do it on the apron in the wrestle, And that was really... The apron bumps, that was something that Sami Zayn and Kevin Steen really brought to WWE as well, I feel. Yeah. Like, that became, like, such a cliche of, you know, that's the hardest part of the ring. <sighs> And it feels like, and they don't do it in this match, but it's something that they really popularised, I think, in PWG, really. Well, the apron bump in this, I, I don't know if it did, like, goes wrong or it's just made to look like it goes wrong. When Excalibur sort of like hyperextends his leg yes. in the neighbouring ring. Well, yeah, because the show is a Cage of Death show. Mm. Is that their war games? For yeah, their war games. And every year, it's a different cage setter. Sometimes there's scaffolding up in the ring. Sometimes it's like a fence or whatever. It's always very elaborate. So elaborate that they often... The fans have to leave whilst they're building it and come back in. And, like, it takes them so long that it, like the show restarts at, like, 1am or something. I've heard stories oh, of poorly planned out or snags hit along the way. Because they do feel like they have to put a card on. And it's weird as well because the it's not like usual War Games rings where there's a very little gap. There is a decent enough gap that when, like you say, Excalibur takes that bump, it's awkward as hell looking. Yeah. Because he's not bumping on the apron. He's bumping because he's between two aprons. <laughs> yeah. But it's because his leg sort of sticks out. And everyone's like, ooh. Yeah. The commentators are like, oh, did he hyperextend? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's so many big moves in this match. So looking at it compared to the Usos, I guess the overindulgence in that match is the super kicks. With this, it's yeah. just everyone hitting everything. Uh, but the, to be fair to them, also what I liked was like the big sequence because there's always like the big sequence that they everyone hits everyone with everything and everyone's down and the crowd gets to applaud it. What I liked was it was the first part was everyone trying to hit a finisher and someone stopping them from doing it. Mm. And then it turns into everyone hitting, like, a, a second move. Yeah. Like, an improvisation move. So the finishers are supposed to be Kevin Steen as the package pile driver, which is a pile driver where he lifts you up from your, sort of your, your thighs and presses yeah. you down. It's Penta's finish now. Yeah. Generico's finisher is the... Brain Buster. Brain Buster. Well, that's one of them. Is that the thing that gets blocked? I can't remember. Uh, whatever it is that he goes for, that gets stopped. Uh, Super Dragons is the psycho driver where he lifts you up in a torture rack and then turns you around into sort of like a, an inverted Michinoku dri- it's basically an inverted Michinoku driver from a torture rack situation Yeah. and Excalibur's is Tiger Driver 91 and Excalibur's doing a lot of Japanese like uh, all Japan tribute stuff in this match because then the, the move that he does hit is the spider German suplex <laughs> But the brilliant bit with that is that that sets up the surprise of Generico, because that's the end part of it, where Generico then suddenly appears with the somersault dropkick. I think he'd done the coast-to-coast, essentially, but mm. it's a somersault dropkick. Uh, to Excalibur's face, because Excalibur's tree of woed himself, and he doesn't get up in time. Yeah. 
I was going to uh, mention as well, like, there's a lot of All Japan influence from Super Dragon as well. Yeah. You've got the rolling elbow, the Kawada kicks. Yeah. Super Dragon, it was different ends of the indie-rific stuff, I suppose, in this match, in that Generico, Steen, you got the big moves, and Excalibur as well, I suppose, and the Japan tributes and that. With Super Dragon, it was it was always a sense of he's always pushing it. Like, yeah. the, the stiffness that he does... It gets to the point where you think, is he taking liberties? It's like Hardcore Holly kind of stiffness. And his matches do generate a lot of anger. (laughs) You do wonder if he's hit the wrong person in the wrong way. But, you know, he doesn't seem to have a long list of enemies or anything. Like he's Scott Steiner or something. (laughs) Or Rick Steiner, I suppose, but in a different way as well. But they were both famous for stiffing. and, And you can see that. Like, when Super Dragon hits a springboard spinning heel kick to the back of Generico's head... You feel like the whole thigh has impacted on it. He hasn't yeah. held back. That's the thing with Super Dragon. You never felt like he was holding back with stuff. I think the, the wrestling team is working snug. Yeah, but he also, <laughs> he definitely projected himself as like, I'm such a cool fucking badass. Yeah. And also, part of that was him playing out with the aura that surrounded him, because like his mask is complete. There is no eye holes. There's no mouth mm. hole. It is a full mask. So... Like with Generico, but to an even greater extent, it has to be down to his physicality. And whilst Generico is all about playing off this almost childlike naivete and love of action and being able to do these surprisingly big moves, but also there's a reason he's the one that you put in the face in peril situation early on in this match. There's a moment where Generico sort of plays the crowd. He's like on the apron after he's like knocked them both to the outside. And he's like, yeah. And Kevin Steen grabs him and screams at him. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Get on with it. Well, there's one point in this match where he spends way too long celebrating and building up that just telegraphs that he's going to get hit. Yeah. But I do think what this was for everyone involved was it was CZW testing out these guys. That All of them had done an appearance in CZW before this, but this was the most high-profile thing they put them in. It's essentially the main event before the Cage of Death stuff happens. Yeah. And it's also clear, I think, that they know, look, Cage of Death, this is the show that if people buy two CZW tapes every year, the tape trading world, then they'll buy either this or Best of the Best, which was their indie tournament for their, you know, work rate guys. Or for certain sections of society, ultraviolent tournament of death. Yeah, ultraviolet tournament. So the, yeah, there's three, you're right, there's three shows, but they wouldn't get booked for that event. But this is the one that they would get booked for and get the chance to steal the show. Yeah. And that's what they try to do. So it's, it is like an exhibition for all four of them. And that's why they're hitting everything and trying to steal the show because it's like how PWG was very often seen as like this shopping window to the rest of the indie mm, scene mm. after a certain point. You could very easily do those PWG music videos. Oh, yeah. Putting in loads of these spots into it. Yeah, I've seen a few of those in my teenage years. To a band where one of the members was uh, uh, also a wrestler, Brandon. There were a few Brandons around that time. Yeah. And the curious thing with PWG was it was this combination of the local California guys, but they would bring in big stars, especially during that all-star weekend. But Steen and Generico were treated as regulars, and then they'd mm. bring in your Samoa Joes, your Christopher Daniels, your Frankie Kazarians, your AJ Styles every once in a while. And then when they became the receder place, really, Steen and Generico became their top stars because both Super Dragon, and in particular, I was looking it up, Excalibur basically retired in 2007 as a regular wrestler. Yeah. Isn't that a neck injury? 
I think it was that, and the whole thing with Super Dragon and Excalibur, and I don't know if it was the same with the rest of them, they all had pretty good jobs in California. Yeah. They, I think they were all, like, tech guys, really. I think Excalibur's always been a graphic designer. That's right, I know that from this Talk is Jericho episode. Yeah, and I think Super Dragon's always... There's always been an air of mystery to Super Dragon. I don't think there's ever been a... Like, there were a few photos of El Generico unmasked. It looks shockingly like Sami Zayn, actually, it has to be said. There are only so many faces in the world, right? Yeah, like, of course, of course. There's, there's so many of us, you know? And so many gingers just look alike, don't they? Yeah! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's us cancelled. Yeah. But with Super Dragon, I still don't know that I've seen a photo of him unmasked. I think Delirious is a couple with him out there, but yeah. Super Dragon is just not the case. And he also sort of started to dip out of it, and PWG was just like the only place, and he'd turn up like every couple of years. Yeah. Like he, he was famously Kevin Steen's surprise tag team partner against the Young Bucks. Ah. And they did the whole lights go out, and then Super Dragon emerged, and this was like the first time we'd seen him in two years. And he's already conveniently got one of the Young Bucks in the position for the curb stomp, <laughs> which was his big trademark move that they even have Steen do to him. Yeah. beforehand in this match it's a curious thing as well is like how much of these people know about them like how do you establish what your finishing moves and your big moves are when your whole arsenal is basically big moves yeah and i think that's why they did that sequence where the finisher was the thing that got cut off because that then establishes in your head okay if these guys hit that move i don't know much about them but it seems like that's the one that everyone wants to avoid so that might be the big finish for the match yeah and i guess that's why for the big finish of this match, he like Super Dragon borrows like four pillars moves to do, to, to see off Al Generico. He quarter kicks the rolling elbow, curb stomp, then the psych. So he hits both of his finishers as well. Yeah, it's so funny as well. Just seeing Generico as the perfect face in peril, and again, like that Usos match where Kevin Owens slash Kevin Steen becomes the hot tag. The hot tag portion's pretty short. Yeah. And Zayn slash Generico gets involved again pretty quickly, hitting his running no-hands moonsault to the mm. outside, where Super Dragon has been so long holding him up in a tombstone position because it was quite an awkward landing. You were thinking, is this meant to be reversed into a tombstone? Yeah. <laughs> for a second. It's one of those matches that everyone went apeshit for at the time, and some people would deride, and still do to this day. I think it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. There's not much to it. The, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fast food meal. It's what those PWG matches were. For what it is, I think I would range somewhere in the three and a half to four star, probably four star area, personally. I might either go the same. Like you say, it's just quick, fast, fun. There's there's not a lot of, like, storytelling in the match, but for these matches, there doesn't need to be because this is a showcase match and they, they go out there and achieve their objective of showcasing their talents. Yeah, but like I said, it's so funny how indie it is. Like, just in the, the setting in the C- ECW arena, not as big as the ECW arena used to be. Mm. Less impressive rings. Cameras are not quite getting the colour se- <laughs> The colour balance right. There's like a weird right. bra- murkiness to the cameras. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Three of the guys are wearing masks, but none of them are Mexican or Japanese. Yeah. There's two skinny guys in there. There's a guy who's wearing a T-shirt... They're yeah. all, they're, they're sort of doing Toshiaki Kawada tribute acts <laughs> and, and trying to know. Well, to be fair, there's not really any no selling. There's a lot of stiff stuff. Yeah. And the key, it's funny as well, because we were saying that the, the key story of 
the WrestleMania match is Zayn v. Jay, mm. and Owens and Jimmy are supporting players. In this one, it feels like the key thing that they're building up and they're setting up is Steen, Super Dragon. Yes. Those are the ones that are probably seen as the main event guys. And like I said, that's what they were in PWG during their next... They, I think they had the first... Either the first or second Guerrilla Warfare match ever was Steen against Super Dragon. And I do like how it was like they was no stone unturned. And like again, if you want to be hypercritical, you're like, oh, it's no selling nonsense, and they're both just trying to look like badasses. Yeah, but it works, I think, for the two characters that they're projecting. And it's funny that Excalibur doesn't play up a babyface, so it's not like babyface heel against babyface heel. It's like babyface heel against heel heel. Yeah, <laughs> that's sort of the dynamic. Like, but Excalibur doesn't really do much to make himself stand out, and his his costume maybe does look the most indie-rific. It's like uh, very often guys who were dressed up sort of that like that in the ECW when Japanese guys would come over, Michinoku Pro guys, they'd get a Power Rangers chance, mm. and there's definitely some of that. It's just like you say, like I think it's like the looseness of the material a bit, and yeah. the sort of not necessarily the best high quality stuff. <laughs> I think Kevin Owens did a wise thing by introducing boxing shorts. Yeah. Whereas with this one, he's sort of wearing a singlet with a shirt over it. I, I, don't, I don't like that look. Excalibur does look a little bit like a grade school kid who's made a last minute Halloween costume. But so does Generico. Again, I just, you look at El Generico, you don't see a WrestleMania main event there. <laughs> Even though he is visibly tall enough. That's how the game's changed. Yeah. You know? and No pun intended or pun slightly intended? Slightly intended. <laughs> <laughs> but let's face it, it's not like he hasn't, like, bulked up and got, like, more cut in the interim period. Well, I don't know if he got cut. He bulked up slightly. But again, I wonder how much of that is just metabolism yeah. over time. I mean, he always had... First of all, he was always so physically gifted, and that was so really good as how you do it. Early on, he sort of does the Kotribushi Jay White thing where he hits... Super Dragon with an elbow, and out, and Super Dragon just stands there, takes it, and hits him with one, and that floors Generico. Yeah. So then Generico immediately goes to Lucha, running around, circling around, bringing him down with arm drags. So it's like, well, I'm not going to outstrike him, so I've got to use my quickness, and I've got to use my mm. agility, and I've got to use my skill yeah. to overturn this guy. And that is, and Super Dragon does bump for him and take those things. Very quickly, he becomes a face in peril, and <laughs> a wonderful moment of because super dragon would often just knock steen off the apron and at one yeah. point knock him off the apron and then follow up after they do oh they do that spot where he uh does a tope but then with steen out of action he then puts his hat stands in steen's corner putting his hand out for generico to tag him thinking he's been able to make the hot tag one bit i love in that is that i don't know if you even noticed it when super dragon did like the Come on! He was literally doing, like, the Robert Gibson pose that he yeah. would do when he get tagged in in the Rock and Roll Express. And they just start stomping viciously. <laughs> but in fairness, in the back of Generico's mind, he might be thinking, oh, shit, Kevin's turned on me already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take long. At least wait until after the match, Kevin. Oh, it's not Kevin. Hey. <laughs> Every cloud. <laughs> but, no. What? Sorry, falls a habit. Lisa, no. <laughs> And that's why I was always like, El Generico is the best pure babyface since Ricky Morton and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. And so it's so crazy that he did do so much heel stuff. And again, I will say this about Vince McMahon. Apparently when Sami Zayn was talking to Vince after he, Vince decided to turn him heel. Mm. And like I said, I just wanted him to be, I thought, well, he's just Ricky Steamboat. You could never turn Ricky Steamboat heel just as you can never turn Sami Zayn slash El Generico heel. 
And he said to Vince, so, so what should I do to change up? I was thinking I could do this, I could start wearing that, and I could do this. And Vince said, no, just just be you. Yeah. <laughs> and given what we found out from the stories of how Sami Zayn can be very overbearing. Yes. <laughs> it's like that brilliant thing when they when Zayn and Owens did become a heel tag team. And they, I think they must have deliberately done it. Yeah. The recreation of the Martin Prince skipping around Nelson. <laughs> No, no, no. That came by accident because, um, again, uh, shout out to Talk is Jericho. When Sammy first got linked that gif, he was like, oh, no. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't want to be that. <laughs> but it was perfect. Yeah. I, I, I agree. But yeah, it didn't have a great initial reaction to, to, to that comparison. But it was the idea of the goofball, annoying guy yeah. and the shit talking tough guy. Yeah, I never usually hang out with him. Smash, but he does. That's the difference. But yeah, it is funny that Steen was building this reputation on the internet at the time, and he was nicknamed Mister Wrestling. Yeah, his moonsault is class in this. He doesn't really bust that out so much anymore. Well, he did, but he does it as like the double jump thing, so it's even yeah. more impressive. But then, kind of went wrong at the Royal Rumble. He has his bullfrog splash now. So yeah, yeah. Well, he's you know he's. Carrying a bit more weight. Yeah. Again, like they were never huge, but it's weird. Like Steen's being talked up as the big guy. And it's like he's five foot eleven. Yeah. But like within indie wrestling, <laughs> it's like whoa, Andre the Giant coming yeah. in. <laughs> Check out Omos. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize we booked Giant Gonzalez for this <laughs> match. It's why when uh, Kevin Nash gets involved with the X Division in TNA and you're just like half the promos are like can you see me down there <laughs> my favourite line he did in that was him and Alex Shelley were talking backstage and he was saying about when he beat Bob Backlund for the world title and he says yeah man 25,000 people at Madison Square Garden I think everyone knows Madison Square Garden is like 90,000 something 20,000 so Alex Shelley goes wow I didn't even think you could fit 25,000 people in MSG and Nash said you could that night <laughs> But yeah, because like that whole Kevin Nash idea of what a main event has to be in the the term vanilla midget. Yeah. And that was what so many people on the indie scene. And even if you weren't a midget, like in that terms, like Generico, visibly over six foot tall, but he's got the frame of a man who very often is over six foot tall. That means that what fat they have has a lot more space that it has to depo- you know share yeah. around. And so there's yeah. next to none of it. <laughs> and, and Excalibur similarly, very skinny frame and... Like we said, Excalibur got out of it. I tell you, this is someone we have to do as well for Match of the Week. Someone from that South California scene as well. And again, because Super Dragon's a few years older. Like, he was going into the indie scene in, like, 98, 99. Yeah. And the guy that he was doing a lot of matches with at that time was a guy called Blitzkrieg. Well, his gimmick was Blitzkrieg. And he actually got pretty quickly signed to WCW. And he's on WCW Nitros and a couple of pay-per-views in that springtime of ni- of 99, he has a match with Rey Mysterio. Okay. Uh, and at the pay-per-view, he had a match with Juventud Guerrero. That I remember <laughs> Power Slam had as the match of the month for that month. Oh, okay. And that was one of the first instances of, like, an indie guy doing the indie style getting signed. But, like, by that summer, I think he'd had an injury or two too many, and he just retired and went into computer programming. And weirdly, they brought the back, the gimmick back briefly for Jack Evans because Jack Evans was such a huge Blitzkrieg nerd that he wanted to get the Blitzkrieg costume and become Blitzkrieg too. Not crazy about the name as a Brit. 
But uh, <laughs> well, well, you're just talking about Gunther. You know? Yeah, yeah. Compared, compared to being a mainland European, I think we get off lightly here. So, like, stay tuned for that. That'll be a future one when we talk about Blitzkrieg. Either that or maybe try and find one of those matches with Super Dragon. I, I always have mixed feelings about Super Dragon. I always felt like he was... I, when I watched him, he's too much of a posture to me. Mm. He was too much of a, like, yeah, fuck you. Like, like a, like a low-key or, or those ones. And I never necessarily liked that posturing. I was like, if you're going to project that invulnerability yeah. to you... And you're going to deliberately seem to try to hurt people in the ring. I didn't have a lot of time for that. And again, maybe he didn't. Because like I said, he hasn't built any enemies. But the stuff he did looked nasty as fuck. Whereas in comparison, Loki has built a shit ton. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. But then again, maybe that's why Super Dragon kind of stopped taking booking <laughs> outside of PWG fairly quickly after Maybe. This. He was part of the CZW Ring of Honor feud as well. That oh, was, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was... So, and that was, again... At that time period, it was always like these indie guys, like Kevin Steen, Al Generico, Super Dragon, Chris Hero, and there was one other, I think B-Boy. Guys that were big in the CZW thing, but wouldn't necessarily get booked by ROH, and there was that ROH snob sense to it that Chris Hero played up, and then when Super Dragon was brought in as well, like it was a, because I was on the Ring of Honor forums at this time, and it was the cliche of, when are they going to sign Super Dragon? When are they going to sign Chris Hero? And they never did. And it became that thing of, oh, is that slightly too indie? That was the thing that Steen and Generico got tagged with when they first tried out in Ring of Honor in like, 05 or so, 05, 06, and it didn't quite work out Mm. for them, and they weren't booked for like nine months after that. But then, in 2007, they got booked against the Briscoes in a random match during their fifth year festival period. Oh, right, okay. And that was the time when I went to see them, and they just clicked right, and then they just built... Because they wanted to build the Briscoe brothers, they needed them to have top rivals, and Steen and Generico were perfect for that, and that's what just that was the next thing that got it rolling. So I think this match genuinely was a significant thing for getting Steen and Generico's name out there. Yeah. And just building up and building up, and similarly with Super Dragon, and again, making those sort of super indie dream matches that draws in a crowd of 500 but you think that's as much as steen and generico are ever going to get they'll get that rabid 500 people and then instead seeing kevin owens walking out with the camera behind him and just seeing that mass of humanity there at wrestlemania to see him have a match not a million miles away from this match in a wrestlemania main event yeah not only that but also the year before wrestle the most, well, not the most WWE guy, but WWE's arguably most famous guy in his, like, return match. Because he always had the ability in the ring, and he was not afraid of talking on the mic, and he projected a character. Yeah. He always had the charisma. It was just those things of, like, what we thought, what we saw as this indie style that was, like, what brought in a certain crowd, but it was like, this is so niche, this is so limited. And without changing that much about themselves, they reached that mountain. Mm. it's incredible just how things turn out. I just never saw it until they broke the mold themselves slightly. CM Punk and Danielson allowed them to get to that point, but they had to do the hard work themselves. And it's like, you know, people were all like, oh, I'm sure they'll get signed by AEW immediately and they'll want to leave WWE so they can be with their indie friends again. And instead, they're like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really desperately want one day Kevin Steen to turn up on an AEW ring and then suddenly El Generico turn up and say, 
Why can't I get rid of you? <laughs> I thought you were in, you said you would stay in Tijuana. Because that's the thought as well. Like, if Sami Zayn were to ever leave WWE and just do the indie scene for a while, would he want to go back to El Generico, or would he then become Rami, whatever his surname is yeah. in real life? I do want to see El Generico one last time. I will say that. Yeah. I don't know. But Kevin Owens did get a massive pay rise when his contract was up because everyone knew he'd be hotly sorted property for uh, AEW. Yeah. Well, you know, and they're both now in their late 30s. Like I said, all these guys now, 30s and early 40s. Yeah. And so they're finally getting to make the money. And not all of them got to that point, you know? Yeah. You look at Loki, you look at Alex Shelley, you look at Nigel McGuinness, mm. the ones that never quite got to be there through a combination of bad luck, and yet it was Owens and... Zane who got to the top of the mountain. Yeah. I mean, I don't see... Again, like, I don't see a world where Super Dragon could have possibly got there, but maybe there is. In all those bizarro alternative realities, there is one where it's... It was Super Dragon and Excalibur that main evented a WrestleMania with a little Kevin Steen tribute on their shorts <laughs> or on their trunks. Or in El Generico colours. Was this your first super dragon match first one for this definitely i think like i say in my teenage years when i like got a little bit into czw compilations i think i saw some super dragon stuff yeah i think he won the world title in czw a couple of times um i don't know enough about it but yeah he's, he's again his run was quite short not sure well short-lived but also fairly limited again him and excalibur always had like regular i think quite well-paying jobs in relative terms so that there was, it was always kind of a, maybe like just a hobby that got out of hand <laughs> for them. And that was why they did the PWG and they just let them, and they said like, you guys can do whatever you want and every match could steal the show. Yeah. And that's where we got the insanity that is, like I said, the WWE seems more like a PWG show than a PWG show felt like a WWE <laughs> show towards the end. Yeah. And I think it was, I imagine those PWG shows were probably tapes that were being passed around the WWE locker room and like that sense of freedom, you know. Mm. Well, that famous thing where Cody Rhodes like had this checklist of things he was going to do. Yeah. PWG was right up there. I remember when he did the PWG show, he literally had the PWG insignia on his tights. And all yeah. That. I mean, maybe we should have gone with a PWG match, but like I said, this was the one where you got Steen and Generico. It's just that right moment in time it felt. And I always thought of like, seeing this kind of match and it's like for everything I like about it I can also see what people would hate about it why it would drive Jim Cornette insane yeah. and why you would look at those guys and see there's no potential in these guys as main eventers and boy was he proven wrong yeah <laughs> oh, but like literally like maybe 800 people were there in that gra- in that venue and 18 years later they're playing to 80,000 and sending them home happy yeah, it's a mad, mad world, and I'm pretty. I'm glad I've been there for the ride, in, in, oh, even yeah. in some lower capacity. You know, to to look at that. Oh, absolutely. What, what would you say then? What What are your sort of final thoughts of this match, and and the reason that I picked it? I, I understand wholly of why you picked it, but I, my thoughts on the match, like I say, it's just like a big showcase and stuff. And they get to the top of the mountain, but as as we've alluded to, both in this episode and when we talked about their match with the Usos, the world evolved around them. In a way, really. But did they force that through sheer will of their abilities and their charisma and their determination? I think they were part of the scene that did. I think I think you could put it all on their two shoulders, but they are definitely part of the the squad of men that did. Well, it's like I said, you know, as brilliant as CM Punk was as a promo, as a wrestler and everything, part of the reason he became a success was because... 
they had to crack down on steroid and drug usage after what happened to Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, the other version of the great happy story for the smart Mark fan. Yeah. And who can you trust to never be that guy? Well, the one that's got drug free on his knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> and is over six foot tall and can wrestle a match and cut a promo. Mm. So even though he's got that skinny fat frame, as Triple <laughs> H famously told him. That's Kevin Nash. Well, I remember Triple H saying, I want to knock every tattoo off your stupid skinny fat ass. Oh, they've both done it then. Because Kevin Nash definitely did it. (laughs) He called him a short order cook as well. So from a guy who was skinny and fat to two guys that were skinny fat could have been a PWG nickname they could have given themselves. (laughs) (laughs) But now after fat made his choice, skinny fat gets to make his decision for what we're going to do for... The next match of the week pick. Hey, be happy there's skinny in that name. Yes, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay, we're going to Japan. We're going to talk about a match. We want to talk about from one thing that would drive Jim Cornette crazy to another. Yeah, we're going to talk about a match featuring a man we've talked about through the five-star medium, Kota Ibushi, versus someone we've never really talked about, a lady by the name of Yoshiiko. Do you want to explain who Yoshiiko is, Simon? Or shall we save that for the next episode? Do you know what? You all have Google. <laughs> go, go find it. It's a DDT match. So you'll all figure it out from there. <laughs> so that's where we'll be for next week, assuming no five-star matches in the interim. But Simon, if people want to get in touch with you before then, how can they do so? People can get in touch with me on Twitter where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, free for the number of different masks on display in this match. My name is Lorcan Munnan, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A at the end of Philadelphia, where this match takes place, and N for the N at the end of Dragon. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put it at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great week. Until the next week. (laughs) 